Welcome back to the Nullified Take channel, where we've got the TNT takes for you on Survivor 42, Episode 2. I'm your host, Chris, and with me is my co-host, Jake, and we're joined today by a special guest and a friend to the channel, Drew from the Angel Cake Entertainment channel. Drew, you normally talk about the challenge, but I've had you on here every now and again to talk about other shows as well. And I think we might have spoken Survivor once before as well. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I watched this episode twice, as you did, and uh, I'm ready to talk about it and get into this season because I haven't talked about it with anybody. So Yeah, that's yeah, why I'm, I'm ready. very excited to hear what you're thinking because you did like very short-form videos, I believe, last season for a little bit, and then you stopped doing it. I don't blame you, by the way. Survivor 41 was a hard watch. Yeah, it was a it was very different. Let's just throw that out there. It was very different with like pacing, editing, and then style wise as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just we got a lot going on from the backgrounds. Jeff's talking straight to the camera, and I feel like we're more equipped for that kind of style now. Well, coming into this season, but yeah, it's 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 feels much different than the past seasons that we've gotten. The past forty seasons that we've gotten on the show. Yeah. Have you noticed the a difference between the two seasons? Because obviously we, we've, it's very early, so it's hard to judge because we're two episodes in. But have you noticed in the first two episodes that there is a little bit of a difference maybe compared to how season 41 felt like in the beginning? Obviously, Jeff hasn't broken the fourth wall or you know spoken to the camera as much, and, yeah. and that hasn't happened. But I feel like there's a little bit of a different feel to it. Like, I mean, I feel like Editing-wise, it seems a lot more distributed right from the start here. I feel like I know more people compared to last season and that they're focusing more on the human element at camp as well as the strategy. Because for me, one of the things, I'm not a big fan of Sequester. I know a lot of people love Sequester, but I feel like Sequester is all strategy and absolutely no social game. I don't see people just interacting and having fun. And that's why I watch the show. I love the characters. I love to see, like, I love the human moments that you get with something like strategy but if it's all strategy or it's all human moments then i don't like that you have to have that balance in my opinion do you agree that they're trying to make a, a little bit of a different or give this season a different feel because to me it's felt like it's almost like it's a little bit of a throwback even though we know all the twists are going to be there yeah i think so i think that uh, we've definitely gotten to see more people and more highlight of their story and their story arcs than say the, the just the last season the first two episodes i feel like we've gotten to know more people i am so happy that <laughs> that jeff isn't breaking the fourth wall as much i felt like i don't know i i, I equated it to blake blues clues last season when he started up and was like hey guys how you doing i missed you oh let's take a look over at this tree and now it's like i loved how i will say that this is the the one thing that i really felt like they really knocked out of the park was in the first episode when everybody was doing their things on their own like little areas and then they got to the area where they had to untie the knots they had to agree to get this advantage and they had to take so long to get there mm. it, it felt good in the sense that this was a twist that we don't normally get to see and it was handled well instead of like having to say a random weird quote about butterflies and broccoli uh which we're still gonna get this season but i just like the way that they handled that way that we don't normally get that. And to me, I yeah. think it's set up for something that could pay off really big later on in the season. So um, I think they got that right. And then I'm just waiting for some guy to, for the one guy, I can't remember his name, to talk about soccer and yeah. whenever somebody <laughs> else finds another idol clue. I'm, that that was one of the funniest one? scenes. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely get into it a little bit later on. Just want to welcome uh, the people here in the live stream. We've got the Hangout Room all the way from South Africa. 
you're crazy. 3 a.m. in the morning over there, and you're joining us. We we thank you so much. The hangout room at some point, Zoe, you guys will get to meet her. She'll be talking some Survivor South Africa with me pretty soon. Go check out her channel on YouTube as well. She does South African reality content as well. Um, Dolores also here in the live stream saying hello. Dolores, welcome from Melbourne, Florida, I believe. So, um, yeah. So great, great start to this episode, Jake. We get back into seeing people starve and being <laughs> so deprived of food, um, I guess. And Hay has to make a very difficult decision early on here. Will he stick to his beliefs, you know, or will he um, compromise so he's got energy in this game and eat a crab? What did you think of this scene and overall Hay's decision to uh, compromise a little bit here? I don't blame him. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you do it being vegan. Like I love animals as much as anyone. Like my three dogs are like the people I hold most dear to me, but like, how can you not like eat a burger or like when it's right in front of you? Like, I just don't get it, but you know, that's gotta be really hard. And I know that it's probably even harder because I know a lot of vegetarians do eat they don't eat meat, but they do eat seafood. Mm. But for him, he's vegan, so he doesn't eat anything like that. So, like, I know Kimmy Kappenberg is vegetarian, and but she did eat, like, the clams and stuff. So it was not really an issue for her. But for high, this is, like, way, way worse. So I don't blame him at all. I did think it was a really cool moment because we've never seen that before. I don't think we've ever had a vegan on the show that had to – really like navigate this like moral dilemma and i thought that was really cool and i wasn't surprised that he because you have to eat it you have to i mean there's nothing else like i know yeah. on the the blue camp there's some like fruit but like what do they have well you said coconut that's, that's not gonna do that's not gonna do it so i, I don't blame him at all it's gotta be so hard uh, Relative Realness, uh, also here on the channel. Hello, Chantel. Always great to have you here. Go check out the Reality Realness channel. She does her own recaps on Survivor 42 as well. So subscribe there if you haven't done so already. Um, and Hangout Room says, I never thought I'd see a vegan in Survivor. It's crazy. You may have forgotten that Inesu from Survivor South Africa last season was a vegan as well. Um, but the big difference here, Drew, is that they've taken even the basic necessities away from them. They don't even have rice. They don't even have one cup of rice. I'm totally against this. I think it's overkill. Um, even with rice, they will lose weight out there regardless because they're not having sweets and things like that out there. But I want to see people with enough energy to give me good strategy and to give me good TV. Not everybody can be like Marianne and just have like endless amounts of energy all the time, even <laughs> if they're starving, right? So what do you think of this dynamic that they've removed the rice and, you know, Hayes' whole dilemma here in regards to, you know, having to choose to eat or not eat? And from the start, Hay has been my winner pick prior to the season starting. I thought he had a very strong premiere episode, but I could see this episode, he was struggling and his energy levels just wasn't there. He wasn't giving us much. Yeah, um, so I think we've talked about it. Uh, it feels like what Survivor has done is take season, because uh, it's not 39 days, it's 26 days. So for it to be only for like three weeks, three and a half weeks, they're like, we got to go into overdrive and make this the hardest experience ever. So for two weeks, let's just take away all the food you could ever need or want or normally we give them. And to me, I don't like it. I'm not a huge fan of it. I 
I understand like this was a pretty interesting like dilemma to for somebody to have to go through and try to have to think of and they probably didn't think of this going into the game because I think he mentioned that oh I was going to get rice at least but to me I I I felt bad for him because you can see that this was really hindering yeah. him mentally and he was like going back and forth so much to like have to like um uh, uh, go against what you believe in and have to eat because you're going to like, you need to survive. I mean, there's some like really skinny guys on this season. And I felt like nervous when I saw them on this season, knowing that they're not going to get any food. Like the previous season, everybody was struggling and to see yeah. a lot of the guys on here. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, they're going to be hurting and seeing him hurt not only physically, but like, the the mental drain it took for him to make that decision and it's like i don't want to see somebody have to like fold on their their morals or their thoughts or their feelings or their beliefs just to survive i mean the game is hard enough as it is to try to have to like navigate through this game all the way to the end and to win it but now you're also having to put this on his conscience now of like i have to eat crab and i have to eat something that i pretty much sworn off that i'm not going to eat again so yeah like i don't know it just stinks i mean at the end of the day i think what this does prove like i mean can you imagine having been a vegan and having these beliefs like back in the caveman days like you wouldn't have had a choice you would have just had to eat what's in front of you and you would have felt yeah. guilty and bad about it but i mean we're so privileged to live in a society where we can go down to the supermarket and get anything we want on a daily basis you know and and mm. if we wanted to choose to live a certain <laughs> lifestyle we've got that privilege that our ancestors never had you know and this takes us back to our primal instincts and needs out there and i think this is what jeff loves about the show so much and why he loved edge of extinction because apparently they were doing the same thing there they were starving people they were out there oh, not yeah. getting anything so he loves that aspect of survivor and i think he feels like this is a way to go back to old school survivor when they struggled and suffered and they had to the one thing this does do though i will say is that it now becomes more important for providers in the game again so someone like mm -hmm. roxroy for instance jake i i laughed at roxroy in the beginning of the season when he said he was going to be the provider he was going to be the person who was going to go out and fish and do all these extra things he's got skills and i said this guy is out of his mind this is like survivor back in 2005 we've moved on so far from this game and it's not going to help him but i feel like a true aussie or a true provider in the current format of survivor will have a lot more power and people will probably look at them and say listen at least this person is bringing in fish. At least this person is bringing in something to the camp. We have to keep them around for a little bit longer. Do you think this is going to change the meta of how the new school survivor is going to be played? The fact that rice is out of the question now, they've removed this from the game. Will people like that become more valuable again? I definitely think so. If Rupert or Ozzy were on this season, they would be untouchable because they are they are dying out there based on what we're hearing. You know, they're saying this is the hardest season ever. I think that having someone like that would be so, so awesome for them. And they would just be loving it. You know, they might not make it past the merge much, but like in these early stages, definitely, I think. And, you know, I don't remember who won the fishing gear, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe we're getting another Rupert. Maybe we're getting another person that's bringing in, you know, like 10 fish every day. That's gonna and that's gonna give their tribe a huge advantage in the challenges too. So it'll be interesting mm. to see. But it could it could very well change the meta of how modern Survivor is. 
Yeah, well, I think it was quite funny in this episode to see the providers of this tribe, um, the Vati Green tribe, ended up being Chanel, um, and I believe it was Lydia who went out to go catch the crab. So you've got, oh, no, it was Jenny, sorry. It was Chanel and Jenny who went out to catch the crab. And it's these two city girls, they're not, you know, used to going out there hunting. It reminded me of Natalie White in Samoa when she killed the rat, you know, and they had food. And she's like, day one, I would have never done this, you know. And you see these two people completely going out of their comfort zone, become the providers because Chanel said she thought she was going to be in a tribe of people that could provide, but now she's got to be the provider out there. And and I just found that hilarious. Um, and also, when you look at the Ika Blue tribe, we hear right from the start here, uh, Drew, that Tori was a little bit jealous that Zach went out first and she said she loves this game. She wants to appreciate her time out there playing. But again, it shows how much they're struggling out there that for a brief moment, she was willing to sacrifice her game and she's a gamer. And 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 that to me is a true testament of how tough this game is this season. But Tori does potentially have an in here because we see Drea trying to form a girl alliance, an all-girl alliance, and we know how dangerous all-girl alliances can be in this game. What did you think of this move by Drea here? And especially, you know, how Swati reacted to it. How do you think the girls in this tribe will do moving forward? Because it looks like they're not all on the same page. I think it's you got to shoot your shot. I mean, we've seen from the very beginning that Drea is a game, a gamer. Like, she is just going to go hard, for any advantage at any point, she's going to risk her game to try to get ahead. And to me, I'm super excited to see where she can go or how far she can make it into the game. I think she is put into a bit of a predicament heading into next episode. If we take a look at like the previews to the next episode, it seems like all eyes are going to be on her for trying to start an alliance. Um, but I think you have to shoot your shot. And you, it's kind of like, um, gosh, what is his name who found the idol? I really can't remember his name, but... Uh, Mike. Mike, yeah, Mike. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, it's like Mike, when he read the front of the idol, he was like, I, I'm not going to regret. I, I can't regret it. Like, I'm not going to just sit around and just not take my shot when I can. And um, I think that you just got to do it. And if it comes back to bite you, I mean, so what? I mean, it's, at least you tried, in my opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. this is the uh, kind of moments and steps that get you to maybe a second or third a chance on survivor if you come out and play hard and show that you have the skills uh but mm. it is her first season but yeah i just it just feels like there's not a lot of cohesion as much when it comes down to her like proposition but i don't know if i was if i was tori i would be jumping on any and all propositions because they try to make like a young people alliance the first episode and then zach is the first one out so it's like okay you're down in your young people alliance you're not the most well liked because you could have been the that one on your way out instead of zach so i mean I, I feel like we should all just try to try to make it work here if jerry is wanting to work with you you try to make it work with her and you can't say no at a lot of the time on survivor mm -hmm. or it just gets thrown back in your face yeah, the hangout room says, I think the girls club is easier to form than the boys club. Well, I guess the boys club is only Roxroy and um, Romeo at this stage within this uh, specific <laughs> tribe. But 
you know, it was interesting last week when we had our discussion with Dino Polo from Survivor South Africa. He was our guest last week. And myself and Jake came into the podcast. Jake was very high on Drea from the start. I was very low on her. And then by the end of it, we completely convinced each other to go the opposite way when we did our top three. And I ended up putting it in my yeah. top three. And Jake ended up taking her out of his top three. So we did a very good job at convincing each other to go the opposite direction. Um, and the one thing that I will say about Drea is I enjoy Drea as a player. I want to see these types of players. Like um, We need people that are going to be able to go out there and try and make moves. I think she is a bit over-aggressive and too obvious like i mean swati knows that she's all over the place if it comes out that she's been playing the boys against the girls and that she's potentially trying to be that swing vote in the middle they could very easily like you said make the decision just to get rid of her because she's a bit of an unknown factor but she's come to play hard and when you look at drea's profession she's a business owner She's got her own fitness industry that she does. Now, to be a business owner, you need to be a risk taker in life. So I think that Survivor amplifies who you are as a person. And you just become more of that when you're in a fight or flight situation. And this is how she would be in life. She would take risks to get great reward. And she's clearly been successful outside of Survivor. So she's bringing that mentality into the game and to me i love seeing it i hope she survives i hope she goes to the merge because the longer drea stays in this game the bigger the possibility is that we get to see a very aggressive tony vlakos type of gameplay from a player such as drea and i think she wouldn't think twice about flipping in between alliances and doing different things so it's quite interesting but i did ask the question in the beginning of the live stream who do we think is going to go first between swati and drea because i don't think that I feel like we're seeing a Swati and Drea potentially being going up against each other head to head. And so far the votes are sitting at 57% of people are saying Swati is going to go before Drea. Drea is going to go at 29 and then they will find a way to work together. 14% is saying that. So that, that poll will remain open until the end of this podcast. So a lot of people are low on Swati, Jake. Um, are you low on Swati? Where do you sit on Swati? Because Swati seems to be someone for a young girl in this game. She seems to be mature beyond her years. And like she's, she seems to have the right makeup to be a player that could play well, but will she do well in a six-person uh, or five-person tribe? That's the question here, not a normal eight- or nine-person tribe. Yeah. Um, you know, coming into this season, I was a bit low on her. Uh, I just – I don't know. I didn't think she was going to be as mature as she's been. Um, but she, she's she been great. She's been in a good spot, but I – I do agree with you that we might be we might be in for like a, a little showdown between those two. And I don't know, the way it's being set up, I think we might be seeing Drea come out on top. And may I don't know, we might see it's kind of up to Tori now. Maybe she can go to Drea and be like, hey, Swati's like throwing your name out. And I feel like Roxroy and Romeo might be up might be down to to make something happen and take her out because She's kind of, kind of, you know, sticks out like a sore thumb. She's the youngest on the tribe now that Zach is gone by quite a bit, and that might make her a bit of an outcast. But at the moment, I think she's probably okay. But really, anything can happen at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough to know. I think one of the things that for Swati has helped her. I mean, you don't go to the military at age of nineteen and not learn mature very quickly so i feel like right. that skill has come in really handy for her in this game and like i feel like she's a very capable player drew but do you think that a player like her that 
plays a little bit more passively and is a bit more of an observer. Do you think there's a bigger risk to a player like that in a small tribe like this? Because it kind of feels like the smaller the tribe, you need to be a little bit more aggressive in your gameplay because people are going to look for anyone that they can latch onto and say, yes, we're with your plan. Like you're at least putting a plan out there because I don't see Swati putting names out there. I see her latching onto people where Drea is more than willing to say, as long as it's not me, I'll go this way. And I feel like in a tribe this small, that game plan might not work as well as it would in a traditional season where you've got bigger tribes. Do you do you get what I'm saying? Do you feel like that could be the thing potentially between her and Swati that could be the difference? That urgency. Yeah, it, yeah it, I think so. In the fact that if she's not if she's being passive not only in gameplay but in like the socializing and not connecting as much as Adrea is, who is putting herself out there, and I think she's having a lot of different conversations with a lot of different people on the tribe, despite it being very small. Uh, it could come back to get her. I mean, honestly, she didn't seem to like she was like really putting herself out there in the first episode. She really wanted to take a step back. Mm -hmm. And I think Drea has been able to really work on a lot through uh, Roxroy and the older portion of the tribe. I think they went to the well first and they were like, let's lock this in kind of thing. And now it seems like Drea is also trying to make an all women's alliance so that she is that swing boat in the middle. My thing is with such a small tribe, it's going to be hard to take out the quote unquote swing boat if you're worried about somebody else. So it's, say they go to tribe next and yeah, they're seeing that Drea is kind of like playing both sides or anything. Their best option though is to take out the other two and then yes. deal with Drea later. And mm -hmm. then if they stay in a tribe of three and go back to tribal council, okay, us two can gang up on the one at the tribal council kind of thing. Instead of, oh, we're going to take out Drea. Now it's 2v2. And now it's like, who's going to give up that one number to be the swing vote to take out the other person? And would they, what kind of danger does that put you in? Um, so I do think that if you're playing a passive game, both in social and strategical, that will put you in a very terrible position in a smaller tribe. And I think that Drea is just going to be able to, I don't know, she already has like two other uh, advantages already. I think that she's feeling herself in this game. She's getting the rhythm. And I would put my money on her making it much farther in, in the game. I love that observation you just made because it's so true. Like, you know, you need to focus on the other solid duo within that group, get rid of them. So use Dre, even though she's swinging back and forth, make it so that she wants to work with you, create that drama. Like, listen, the girls out at you. They told us about the girls alliance. They clearly don't want to work with you. We still want to work with you. Come over to us. And I feel like Drea is the kind of player she will make decisions quickly and she will go against the girls if she knows that her name is being thrown out there. So I feel like, that's what we're probably going to see happen in the next episode. And then my prediction is that Drea cuts Romeo and Roxroy in a hot minute as soon as they get to the merge, <laughs> as soon as they get to a swap. She will go wherever the power is. And we're going to see this crazy, volatile player out there that's just going to be doing whatever is needed to get further in the game. And I'm hoping that we're manifesting this right now and it comes into a realization when we get deeper into the game because that could be very exciting to watch. Now, I do want to move on to the Taku tribe here at the beginning because we also get to uh, learn a little bit more about the Taku tribe. We get to learn about the different uh, relationships that people have got there and we hear that the um, strongest relationship here is forming between someone that I was extremely low on coming into this season, Jonathan, 
and Omar. And it's funny because Jake had Omar very high. It might have even been your first or second. I think it was your second guy, Jake, um, in the picks. I had Jonathan as my last guy pick on my draft pick. And it wasn't anything in regards to I didn't think the guy wasn't capable. I mean, if he came into the challenge, I would have probably had him very high because physically he looks like a beast coming into the season. I was very worried for him because I knew he would stand out. I knew people would look at him and say, you're the only young athletic guy that's big, big and strong that looks like you can win everything um, on this season. I thought people would target him immediately, but I love Jake, his social awareness. I love, like we get this scene here with him and Omar sitting and Omar's trying to open a coconut and he's struggling to do it. And someone like Jonathan has got the ability to say, are you happy for me to um, show you how I'm doing it? And then you can try again. So he's not going to do it for him. He's not going to disrespect him in that way. He's socially aware enough to know that if you're trying to help someone, you try and teach them and let them figure it out themselves. And I feel like that is such a key thing that a lot of people in life would miss. And I think he is very, very socially aware. I'm very impressed with Jonathan at this stage. And I think him and Omar together is a very strong uh, duo that's going to go very deep in this game. This could be the duo for the season. What do you think of this uh, dynamic? Yeah, you're going to see later on when we do our rankings, uh, I'm extremely high on Jonathan at this point. At least, yeah, like this point in the game, I mean, he's he's rock solid. I don't think there's any chance that he's going home anytime soon, especially if they're following it up like last season with no tribe swap. I don't see any world where he's taken out. And I love, love, love the dynamic between he and uh, Omar. I think that it's funny. I think Omar is seeing Jonathan as his meat shield. And I do think he says, I do think he recognizes in his confessional that he's also a brain shield for Jonathan. I honestly would see if I were on that tribe, I think I might see Omar as more dangerous. So I think this is benefiting Jonathan a bit more. But I do really like, I think it works out pretty well for both. And right now I think Jonathan is in an extremely good spot. I think he's extremely close with Omer and Lindsay. And he says he, he's really close with Marianne. There's a secret scene from last episode where it seems like he, Omer, and Marianne have kind of a trio going on. So he's set up really well, I think, at this, at this time. What's your thoughts on um, this dynamic here, Drew? Because it seems like one of the ones that we're going to have to keep our eyes on. And obviously, both Jonathan and Omar, they seem to be the tight two, but then Lindsay is also an add-on to that alliance from what we can see. I love them. I love their like pairing. I loved the moments that we got with them, both just talking about like themselves on the uh, on the tribe and like just their bro time with each other and then them talking about religion with each other. I thought it was like a really great moment to have with them. And mm. I love the idea that they have gravitated towards each other, even though it seems like the most odd coupling that you could do on any, like you would think like Jonathan would be more like, more like magnetic towards Lindsay. Maybe Omar would kind of be floating around there a little bit with Marianne. Maybe it would be like beauty versus the uh, brains on the, on the, on the tribe lines. But Jonathan's like friends with everybody. Everybody else really gets along with everybody else. Uh, maybe 
Lindsay thinks that Marianne is a little bit too much, which I can agree if I'm like in a <laughs> bad mood and hangry all the time. I'm not like looking forward to somebody oh. like yelling and doing TV promos for CBS. And, and if you don't want to lose a limb, right? You, you'd agree with that <laughs> yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it's it's a great dynamic. And I loved I loved it. I loved when Omar was like, uh, was like, oh, I'm going to go pray. And then if you guys have any questions and Jonathan was like, cool. Yeah, I'll definitely ask. But if you have any questions and then Lindsay piped in with her joke, which was really funny. So I just really yeah. like the dynamic on that tribe and how everybody is vibing with each other i mean sorry mariah but i mean i really like the four that uh are on this tribe and and where they can go from here i'm really hoping that they can win a few to stay out of tribal council for the rest of the rest of the season because i just like the vibe that we get from this tri uh this tribe yeah so quite a few people here saying um both the hangout room and dolores saying that they weren't high on jonathan preseason. uh they thought he was a bit full of himself and they've changed their mind softening up a little bit on him now and i think what happens a lot of the times in these preseason things is that um the production team sits there and they egg you on and they say talk yourself up tell us where you're going to be the greatest player to ever play this game now give us a little bit more confidence you know so they like get mm -hmm. them hyped up to say these things so that it sells um, and uh, that it sells the show in a way where people want to tune in to watch this guy. They're like, oh, this guy seems full of himself. He's going to get blindsided early on. I want to see that happening. And I fell for it as a, a diehard fan of Survivor that watches it season after season. I should know better. And I looked at it and I was like, I'm going to judge this guy based on his appearance. I'm going to judge him based on what he's saying in the preseason. And that's why I always find it so funny when people get so invested in the preseason, because most of the time you get invested into certain characters in the preseason and you're high or low on them. And then they go into the season and the exact opposite happens. And you're like, this is not the girl that we saw preseason. Now she's barely visible, you know? And, and I think yeah. that's the funny thing that we get uh, fooled by these producers year in and year out and we make harsh judgments before they even play the game but i agree with you that my favorite moment in this episode was when omar was out there and he needed to let his tribe know listen guys i am a muslim obviously the muslim muslim belief is of such a level where you have to pray certain amounts of times a day um and he would wasn't going to be able to hide it so telling them about that and saying i hope you guys can accept it i'm gonna have to go pray i'm not looking for idols joking around about that i'm gonna go do it out on the beach and all of them being so accepting all of them being open to saying hey we're happy to learn from you if you want to know a bit about christianity we'll tell you Lindsay's saying she's a terrible jew which had me chuckling and she's like i probably wouldn't be able to tell you much about it but still it's just this is how life should be. We should all be able to embrace each other's differences. And I find that today, you know, if you say one thing, like, you know, that someone doesn't agree with, you're immediately marked as someone that is a horrible person. Like, and if you look at your own families, like there's certain things that my brother does where I'm like, you're an idiot. I think you're stupid for saying that. But I don't hate my brother because of this one thing. You know what I mean? Like everybody is more complex to that. We've got more to us in life than just this one belief or this one thing that we do. So be tolerant, communicate with each other. And I think that you will find some, some great value in that. And they remind me of season one. You know, we always say Survivor was never... Um, open to different opinions and, and diversity. And, and yes, there was times where Survivor could have done better. But season one, we had a gay man and a Navy SEAL get together, form an alliance, and go all the way. And you wouldn't have seen that coming. And that was a diversity and lifestyle and mindset. And we're seeing it play out still here in season 42. It's what got me into the show originally. It's what gets me watching the show right now still, is seeing people from all walks of life, people that should not get along, 
getting along because they know they've got a common goal to get through the game. So I'm loving it. Um, I'm all in on the Taku tribe. They're my favorite tribe at the moment, but I'm super scared for them because they're four people in now and they had to make a very difficult decision in this episode, choosing between Maria and Marianne on who they were going to vote out. And I've got to ask the question, Jake, do you think that they made the right decision here? If you had to be critical and voting out Mariah, which seemed to be someone that was very solid, potentially could have been loyal. She's got no hustle on her. She probably wouldn't have flipped on her alliance. But you've got Marianne, who's the opposite, who looks like she will be frantic. I mean, she searches for an idol just before tribal council because she feels unsafe. She feels to me more like a Drea type of character, someone that will go wherever the wind blows her. Do you think they made the right choice here? It's hard to say. We'll see. But at this time, I do think that I was definitely shocked. And um, I think that it kind of comes back to Jonathan, honestly, because we see a couple confessionals by Omer and Lindsay saying, oh, Marianne, like she's so sweet and we love her, but she's a bit too much. And we think that Mariah, you know, we're not, we haven't really connected with her nearly as much as Marianne, but she's, we trust her more. We think she's going to be more trustworthy going forward, but we don't see Jonathan weigh in on Mariah being more trustworthy. He has a confessional where he just says, and I love Marianne. He says that like a couple times. So honestly, I think Jonathan, yeah, he made the decision. Said, I think he made the decision. And I think he said, yeah. I want Marianne. I trust her and I like her. So for him, I mean, he got his way, but for Lindsay and Omer, you know, I think that they would have maybe rather had Mariah and, you know, maybe Omer is going to be happy that he kept Marianne based on the preview for next episode. It seems like they kind of um, found an idol together or something, some sort of advantage. So that'll be fun to see. But in the moment, I think I definitely thought it was the wrong decision. Yeah. Yeah, and it's an interesting observation because I feel like Jonathan was definitely the swing vote because you keep hearing him say, this is the person I'm closest with. And Jonathan is a bit of an oddball himself. Like, you know, you can't put him in a box because he's this big muscly guy. He should be alpha. He should be a little bit more douchey, but he's not. Like there's, there's complexity to his character. He's a little bit goofy. You know, he's very self-aware and the, and the fact that he needs a, a, a brain shield or he needs someone that, you know, he says, Omar is funnier than me. I'm not funny. You know, like he's very self-aware. Um, and I feel like he connects with Marianne and we haven't seen that relationship fully on our screens. Maybe that's something that will play a bigger role later on down the season. What did you think of this dynamic? And do you think that they potentially made a mistake here with leaving Marianne in the game? Do you think Marianne will stay loyal to these guys? I think Marianne can be frantic. But when it's so early on in the game, I think they did go with connections, which I think that they will lean in heavily if, say, they go out and, like, get to emerge with her. They're going to lean heavily on, like, hey, we were from the day one, we were together. Like, I think they're going to use her, her, her age and how young she is and what she's coming off as, like, I think the way she's coming off is that they're perceiving it as na uh, night nativity yep naivety. naivety yeah 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 um and i think that's where it's coming down to where they're just like oh she's just just happy to be here and i feel like because she's so young we can make that impression on her and get her to just latch on whereas maybe they didn't feel that way with mariah i mean they were on the tribe with her the same as 
as Marianne, but they just had that connection. Maybe it's because Marianne always is talking and always wants to talk where Mariah is maybe a little bit more closed off or a little bit more quieter. Um, so to me, I think they did go with bond. And I do think that because Jonathan said that he uh, has gotten that connection with Marianne, that was the determining factor. And I'm sure if we go back and watch it, th there was like talks about who they should vote for. And he probably pushed like, Oh, she's so young. She's just going to be happy to be here. If we were to like be put on a different tribe with her, she would have to go with us. Like she would just mm -hmm. go with us no matter what, because we were there from the very beginning. So as long as we put in the time and effort and get to know her now, it'll probably pay off for us. Whereas Mar Mariah, we don't even know what she's thinking. And we, been on the tribe with her for a couple of days and who's to say she's not going to go off somewhere else with somebody else and not like us at all so i do think that they went more with the connection and possibly because she's younger they think that she will be able to hold up in um in uh, challenges as well so i think that's also the thought process with bringing over uh marianne but she yeah. was a ball of energy I'm going to ask you a question about that in one gosh. second. I'm, I'm going to ask you a question about that in one second because I'm glad you're on the podcast here. There's a question that you would be best to answer in regards to Marianne. So brace yourself. It's coming. Um, I do want to touch on Dolores' question here. Do you think Marianne perhaps found the beware advantage and we just haven't seen it yet? That could make her very powerful. And Dolores, yes, I think she could have found that beware advantage because she would be the perfect person to have to, to say a silly phrase and people wouldn't even think two things of it. They'd be like, yep, that sounds like a Marianne thing to do at the immunity challenge. That's just her being her. But I think that very much this is possible. They did that with Nasir last year where none of us knew he had it. And then he said the phrase out of nowhere and they showed us yeah. how he found it, which I thought was brilliant editing. It was great to break the mold and how they normally show us people finding idols and things like that in the game. So that could be one. But um, also want to acknowledge your reality. Real is saying, also Marianne is beloved. I don't know if they were ready to be so cutthroat and take her out. Jeff would be pissed because Jeff loves her at the moment. She is great TV, like the Hangout Room says. Um, now, Drew, you're someone that loves the love shows, right? I normally give re reality realness these questions, but she's not here on the, the channel today. But I do know you're someone that loves a little bit of Love Island. You watch Temptation Island. You're into a little bit of, um, you know, uh, is it too, too Hot to Handle on Netflix? There's a few of those shows that you've watched in the past. So Marianne, what did you think of her whole trying to find romance here on the show and saying that she took too long to, to shoot her shot and potentially get a date with Zach, who was voted out first. Did you love seeing a little bit of love there on the island? It's been a while since we've seen this. This is the quickest I think we've seen somebody fall in love on Survivor. I mean, I, <laughs> I think she got like a quick shot of him. Like I shot at him of the like first couple of challenges. I mean, she's like, I took too long to shoot my shot. But it's like, you've been on the island for like a day and a half, it seems like. What, what are you talking about? Um yeah, it, it, that came out of nowhere, in my opinion. I, I was just like, wow, she is. Jeff just gives her a line and she just takes it and runs with it, which is fun to see because she does it like at camp. She does it at the challenge and then she does it at Tribal Council and she just steals the show wherever she's at, which I really, really appreciate.
Yeah, CD says, keep hope alive. You know, she might still be able to go on a date. I did see that Swati tweeted at Zach um, in the week to say, hey, would you do a double date with me and Marianne together? So Swati might be interested as well. We might have a love triangle <laughs> that's going to come out of this whole thing um, after the season. But I thought it was hilarious. And again, it just shows you how much energy she has and how open she is about her feelings and everything out there at all times. Like, so that's another thing. You might be able to see her coming. I don't know if she's got a game face. I don't mm. know if she would be able to lie to you and not let you know what she's thinking or feeling when she's going to try and backstab you so that might be something that jonathan is appreciating in her and why he doesn't want to cut her this early now i do want to move back to the vati green tribe because we did have a lot of action happen on this tribe here as well because mike goes out and looks for a beware advantage he finds it buries it loses it <laughs> the quickest you've seen somebody lose an uh, idol in the same time but he makes a really interesting choice here jake to tell two people about this advantage the two people he trusts the most jenny his closest alliance member she seems rock solid but he also goes and talks to daniel who looks like that was a big mistake what did you think of this bit of gameplay here by Mike and telling people? He said he was aware that he shouldn't tell anybody about an advantage or an idol when he finds it, which I've been saying that for the longest period of time. You keep that for yourself if you can. But because he loses a vote, it has changed the dynamics. And what I'm really enjoying is seeing the same advantages this year being used in a very different way. What did you think of this bit of gameplay? I disagree that you tell anyone. I, I still think you don't tell anyone because... You're not. You haven't even gone to tribal yet. You haven't even lost the challenge yet. I think you you maybe say something if you lose, and then you got to be like, okay, guys, people in my alliance. Maybe you can try to make it seem like you just found it, and then like, oh no, I lost my boat. Like this just happened. But there's just no reason because now it's just gonna fester in people's heads, and then when you finally do lose then it's going to be up for discussion. Maybe we, maybe this is where we take them out. Maybe this is what we should do. So I disagree, but it's interesting because I believe last season, Nasir didn't tell anyone. Shan and Ricard knew with each other, but Xander told everyone, I think. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're kind of seeing everyone last season kind of played a bit differently. And now, yeah, he's, he's telling two different people from like two different kind of factions, which is a bit interesting. Well, the but... interesting thing for me, let me tell you where I think the difference is coming, Jake, is that, yes, the he's telling people about it, but you've got someone in Daniel using that information completely different to anybody yeah. else that we saw last season where he's telling him, listen, don't activate it immediately. If you're mm -hmm. smart, stay quiet about it, which I didn't even think of this last season. What if you just keep your mouth shut why give away the game that you've got the idol immediately? Wait yeah. for two other people to tell you and show you they've got the idol, and then you play it last minute. You say, I love soccer, whatever the phrase is that he yeah. needs to say, but keep it a secret until last minute. So I thought that was a very astute bit of awareness there from Daniel to say, keep it a secret. And also, even more so importantly, Drew, this gives Daniel a lot of power in the game right now because he's he knows where the idol is. He knows who's got it. He's clearly got the trust of the person who's got the idol. Plus... He's nullified the threat of the idol because it's not activated yet. So he can choose to either let Mike activate it or he can cut Mike before he even gets that opportunity, which puts the idol back in play so he can go and look for it and potentially get it. But more importantly, he's got that information on what phrases will be said because 
from what we saw, Mike didn't show Jenny the actual idol and the phrases. Daniel actually saw the idol and the phrases. So he's actually got all of the power, like you said, without the risk of losing a vote. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Jake here. You don't say anything. I mean, you just found it. Yes, you're freaking out about not having a vote, but you haven't even gone to the challenge yet. Like, you don't even know if this is a possibility that you'll be having to use your vote. I mean, you're still in a six-person alliance. You don't know if that that could be a complete, like, oh, we're just going to overhaul, and it's going to be five to one anyways, or it's just going to be a completely unanimous vote. I, you just don't say anything, I, especially if you lose your vote. I, I you, you wait until you can't, unless you have somebody that you just know is ride or die with you. I mean, you can say it to one person if you know that you have them and they have you, but in my personal opinion, you don't know that yet. This is like day three, day four, whatever. Like you're, you don't know any of these people. You have not been put in a position where you're going to have to put your trust or you put your trust in anybody. So I just think you don't do anything. You don't say anything until you really feel like you need to. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is all on Daniel now. I mean, he could go to everybody if they lose the next uh, tribal uh, uh, immunity challenge and they have to go to tribal council. He could be like, okay, he found the idol. He can't use it. But once he says like, oh, he found the idol, that's going to put everybody's head spinning because then they're going to be like, well, he can use it if he knows that we can vote him. It's like, no, he can't. Look, it's not active, but we've never seen this before. So they're not they're going to question what Daniel's trying to do think it's like a slick move or something and then it's going to put some backlash on him possibly um but yeah I, I just didn't you can tell like mike is just reactive and that's why he mm -hmm. was like i just got to go and hurry up and tell somebody about this so if something goes wild and crazy i'm covered but i mean you could have just done way more damage to your game than than ever before but i, but I do love think mike. that mike is a little bit safe i do think <laughs> yeah. he is like safe he's like jonathan on that tribe everybody seems to like him gravitate towards him and uh he he i think he's solid whether he has the idol active or not so reality realness is if someone can't vote i would vote them out straight away and for me i kind of feel like what they did with xavier last year was the right strategy you don't have a risk yet until the idol is activated i guess in that tribe why don't drag why don't you drag that person along one or two votes which gives your side of the alliance more power because they can't vote against your faction in any case it's a high risk game because as soon as the idol gets activated then you potentially have an idol in the game and they can vote again but i feel like if you've got the trust of the person and you can let them hold off from activating it as long as possible you drag them one or two votes on they're really just the passenger in the game. They don't have a say. They don't have the ability to change the course of direction of where the votes are going to go. But what I wanted to say was, I feel like this season, watching some of these twists for a second time around, it's weird. It's like I'm almost liking it more. Like I like the beware advantage this season. I didn't like it last last year. I was like, what is this thing? Why are we seeing this? This is dumb. You know, I don't like the phrases. Now I like the phrases. I like the fact that Mike has to talk about soccer, which he keeps telling his his football kids that it's not a sport, and now he's got to pretend to love it. I love that. I love that about the season. And then also the fact that with this beware advantage right now, idols are really losing a lot of power in the game. Your social game actually is more important now. And if you look at last season, there weren't that many idols in the game. The only idols that actually hit the game last season were the beware advantages, and they were all pre-merge if i remember correctly so there were a lot of other twists that happened that season and jake you you correct me if i'm wrong i know you're the one with the 
the the memory that's a lot more on dude i watch way too many reality tv shows to always get it right but i feel like there was no idols after the merch it was only the beware advantages there and wasn't. everybody knew where it was yep there was there was no idols that were found i did i believe they did show um the episode that danny went home they sh they flashed to an idol that he like walked yes. by but he didn't yes. find it and no one ended up finding it so very interesting because people seem to really complain that there are too many advantages, too many idols, which there's there's plenty of advantages to make up for the lack of idols. But mm. people didn't seem to really like kind of appreciate, oh, okay, there were only three idols last season. They were all pre-merged. Um, so I, but there could have been another one. So I think we're probably going to see that again where – there might be like one more after the merge, but so far I do like the just starting out with three. Yeah. Um, do you guys think that we had shipwreck Island, this specific episode and we just didn't see it because I found it quite strange that they didn't have that in this episode. And I loved it by the way, because it meant that we got to see more of the camp. We got to see more of the social dynamics, which is what I'm always interested in is why I hate whenever they take it, the show somewhere else like a, a redemption island or a, a edge of extinction because it takes away from the main game um but i feel like it's such a big part of this version of the show that most likely there must have been something that we didn't see and we could potentially see it in a, a flashback or do you like jake do you remember was there a shipwreck island every single episode before the merge last season i feel like we had it almost every episode i don't know about every episode but there definitely was one episode two I remember because Evie had like 10 confessionals or something in that episode. And I remember the first episode last season was well-balanced. Everyone got a confessional. I kind of got to see everything. Then it eh, all went to crap. Next, The very next episode, Evie stole the show. We didn't see anything from the Blue Tribe. And that's not what we're seeing this episode. So there is a chance that maybe... Maybe there was Shipwreck Island again, but it just wasn't relevant to the overarching story. So they just decided to you know, toss it. Maybe no one got an advantage. Maybe they both decided to just protect their vote. Who knows? But um, definitely if, they're, if they chose consciously to say, okay, we're not going to do Shipwreck Island this episode. I love that because it's only a 45-minute episode this time. You can do yeah. it in the first one because, okay, you got two hours. But this time, you want to show, you want to keep that balance of showing the camp life of every tribe. And even without Shipwell Island, you can't even do that. You can't show the, the camp life and the dynamics of, every, of all the tribes, everything that's going on. But without it, it just felt so refreshing. I loved it. Yeah uh rainbot first time i've seen you in the live here welcome to the live stream uh he says or she says i feel like it's not the sharing of the advantages and the idols that shouldn't be done i don't think the survivors should show the other ones the rules and stuff though because then they know everything i agree i mean you can choose how much of the rules you want to see or show someone else in the game so uh that's definitely something that's in your control and by giving them all the information like daniel has here um i feel like mike is not the person that's in control and reality realness and chris dixon also agrees that they don't like losing the vote in these small tribes voting is what bonds people and solidifies groups it sucks that they don't get to play the game and i've got a question for both of you jake and drew i'll start with you drew first 
We've seen the Beware Advantage now um, in the game. We know what it's about. If you were to play Survivor 43 and you walk on the beach and you come across this little package saying Beware Advantage, open it or leave it. Do you open it or do you leave it? Um, I will agree with Chantel from Reality Realness uh, that I don't like that you can't vote. And knowing if they're going to keep this kind of pattern where you don't swap, like if I kind of had the idea that we could swap, I might be more apt to like pick it up thinking like, okay, maybe we could just keep going. Maybe I'll have a good tribe and we could just like steamroll this thing and hopefully somebody else finds some of the other idols. But with these small tribes and knowing that we're going to have to vote, the vote could be something big. I, I would have to, I would, I would maybe like go to my number one confident and then try to like be like, oh, let's look around here for something or whatever. Like, let's pretend to talk and then maybe like usher them over to the, the beware and maybe they can pick it up. And then yeah. if I need to, I can always use it as like, a, oh, well, we found it together, but that person has it. Let's throw him under the bus or them under the bus. Um, that's, I think, what I would try to go towards instead yeah. of me picking it up nowadays. Um, if they keep you stole this my strategy. Like vibes going in. Yeah. <laughs> you stole my strategy. I would have done exactly the same thing. Jake, how, how would you feel about the Beware Advantage? Would you open that sucker or would you just leave it there? Probably just leave it, honestly. I mean, I last season we saw Erica win. She did have the hourglass twist, but is that really an advantage? I don't know. She didn't have any advantages. We saw Tony, of course. He had his idols and stuff. But he's Tony, so we're just gonna. He's not really a. He's not. He's not part of the pattern. He's a. He's an anomaly. And then we saw Tommy, notoriously one without any advantages, no idols. I'm done. Five mile forty three. I say no. No, I'm done. <laughs> I I got my social game. I'll just stick with that. Because yeah. Because if you, it's just so hard to play it when idols. I think are a bit overrated because it's so hard to play them correctly. You really, really got to be good like Russell and Tony to play them to their best ability. I don't know if I'm, well, I Kelly Wentworth. I'm new. Kelly Wentworth. It's so hard to play them to their, to their peak. And I just don't yeah. know if I could do that. So I'd probably just say, eh, I'll just stick yeah. to the game. It would be difficult. I mean, I would leave that as sure as Francesca, Francesca, getting voted out first every single season that she plays as sure as that I would leave that beware advantage the same way. I'd just be like, throw that thing, suck it to the side, get somebody else to come and search for it with me. Like Drew said, throw them under the bus or control the info while you still have a vote. Cause I think losing a vote is never worth an idol. It's just such a bad twist. I hated when they did it to Jamal and they screwed his game over one season as well. And then they just gone and continue to add to that. And it's, it's interesting. It gives us something to talk about in the podcast. Now as a player, I would absolutely freaking hate that if that happened to me. What, before we move <laughs> away here from the Vati tribe, the one player that was very quiet this episode, she had a very big first episode, was um, Lydia. I was very surprised for someone that's a big character like her to be as quiet as she was this episode. So I'm a little bit fearful for where this place is. Lydia, I've got no understanding of where her allegiance at, at the moment is. But in this tribe, we clearly know Mike and Jenny are tight. Daniel and Chanel, which I love that duo. Again, it's an odd couple. You wouldn't put Daniel and Chanel necessarily as the two people you would have thought going on the beach. These would be the two people that would get pretty tight, but they're a strong duo as well. And then 
hey, I don't know where he is, or hi, I don't know where he is at the moment and where he's fitting in, but there's a few people that have gone a little bit missing here. I think Lydia might have been the only one in the stripe that didn't get a single confessional this episode. They were, again, for a second episode, very good with giving a lot of people screen time. You know, Australian Survivor, please take note. Do this on your season as well. We don't want to just see two or three people get screen time episode after episode. So that was interesting to see. Um, but ultimately, they're going to do a challenge here. And I love the challenge because... It's one that we've seen before. You have to go through a maze. You're blindfolded. You've got people shouting, um, directing you through it. I mean, obviously, uh, Roxroy hasn't seen much Survivor because he does not uh, protect the crown jewels like you should when you're out there. And he gets a bit of a hit there, like uh, I think Colby Donaldson did back in the original All-Stars. And when you saw him come back for Heroes versus Villains, he protected that in the same <laughs> challenge very quickly. Uh, but I thought the interesting thing and in the, the change to the dynamic here was that at the end, they had to complete a puzzle and they had Jonathan as the puzzle builder and the communicator for their tribe. Not that it was an overly complicated puzzle, but did they not think this through that they were going to have to do a puzzle at the end? They didn't know what it was going to look like. Drew, what went wrong here? Like of all people in that tribe, why did they put Jonathan out there to be the person shouting out the directions and doing the puzzle? And what did you think of the challenge? He... First of all, the challenge is this would be the worst challenge for me on this on if I was on Survivor. I hate this challenge. Like I would hate to be blindfolded. I know I'm gonna smack my knees. I'm gonna I could possibly hit my face. I'm just like walking around just blind, walking around tethered. Somebody's tethered to me or I'm tethered to them. I, I'm I'm fearful. I'm always fearful. I feel like I'm gonna be walking out into the ocean. I don't know who I'm <laughs> listening to, kind of thing. Um, but I would just be freaked out during this whole um this whole challenge. But I don't know what I guess because Jonathan's so big, they were just like, oh, he's going to have the biggest voice. He could just yell. We are. He has a distinct voice. We can hear him. But I just don't think that they really fully talked it out. Maybe we were talking about Jonathan having kind of like the swing boat or the or the kind of influence. What if he was the influence? He didn't want to be blindfolded. He didn't want to be walking around trying to put the puzzle together or listening. Maybe he was just like, okay, I'm going to step up. I'll do it. Maybe he was the first one to even say it after Jeff was like, well, you guys could talk and then we'll, we'll get everybody set up. And then he turned around and was like, I'm doing the talking kind of thing. Like I have the bigger voice. I can do it. And he just decided to do it. And I don't think anybody would buck back at, at that. They would just be like, yeah, he's got, a, he's, he's big. He's, he's brooding. He can do it. I'm like, why not? I'll, I'll go in sawdust and I'll put the puzzle together. So I think that's what maybe the strategy was, or it came about. Yeah. Um, Chris here says Lydia was quiet in the episode because the editors were building up to y'all bitches moment because in the challenge, she said, come over here, you'll bitches. And it was really funny. <laughs> that was like the only screen time she got the whole episode. Um, and also over here, um, Chris said, and this is something I picked up that Jonathan's voice sounded really different when he tried to shout it seemed unnatural. Yeah, it was, he actually struggled to shout like his voice was really deep. And I felt like the right thing to do is having someone with a very high pitch voice. Like the most annoying voice should be the person who's out there shouting directions <laughs> and that will get through to you. You'd be like, oh, not that person again shouting at me. You know, okay, I better listen. Follow, because... follow the directions to get them to shut up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it would, motiv- it would be like an extra motivating factor for you to get the challenge done quicker because you just don't want to listen to them. It's like nails on a chalkboard, you know. Um, any case, overall it was funny because when they get to solving the puzzle, Jonathan's direction is, it's a pizza. 
<laughs> that's what he's telling them when they're trying to put it together. <laughs> so it's like the wrong person to be on the puzzle, but it was close. I will give him that. But ultimately, they're going to obviously lose this challenge here and they're going to lose to the other two tribes. So uh, they do go to tribal council, as we mentioned. Um, and we end up with the result, uh, ultimately, that Mariah is going to get voted out in this episode. Um, so I do want to go into our draft picks here now and have a quick look at where we're sitting and who's losing i haven't actually even looked at this yet a person this week uh this is our tribes here so mariah was your last pick on the board by the looks of it jake so you do lose someone here um it's still very close between us i feel very confident about my team at this point uh currently uh high and jenny number one and two pick high my preseason favorite to win drea could go well or not so well at this moment and i feel like jonathan at this point is my blue chip stock i bought him at the lowest value uh <laughs> chantel sure. who's over here who did the the challenge all-stars one draft picks with us her last pick for that season won all-stars one and we won't tell you who that was just in case you ever want to go watch that so it can happen we don't know anything prior to going into the season so i'm feeling pretty good about that jake who do you feel strong about currently in your side of the of the the fence are you pretty happy with your team at this point yeah i am i you could say the same for Amar, by the way. It's just so convenient. Both of them are right at the bottom. Yeah. They had great episodes. Both of them, we we were not we we discounted that orange tribe a lot. We Big did time. not. We went all in on the green tribe, which it's working out so far. But if they lose, obviously one of them's got to go, which is also sad because I just like all of them on that tribe. But I'm feeling good about my team as well. I I like Daniel on my team i think he's in a solid spot same with chanel i think those my top two i'm feeling good about and honestly just kind of everyone on my team i think it's kind of hard to imagine what's going to happen next episode just because we have no idea but it's hard to see any of my people going out at this point so maybe you're underestimating underestimating me yeah, I think I've got the high risk team, definitely. But you know, you've got to take high risks to great to get a great reward. Um, but as we're talking about this and we're starting to talk about the players that we uh, I guess like at this stage in the game, I think it's appropriate we talk about who we think our top three players are for this week and why. Um, and Jake, hopefully you've had some time to think about this. Uh, we'll start with you. You can tell us who you think is the third best player for this week and tell us why. And then Drew, you can do your third after that. And then I'll do my third and we'll continue to go around that. So give you a little bit of time to think about this. So Jake, who do you have in number three for this week? Number three, I have Daniel. Why? Well, we saw that he was able to, he already kind of had a connection with Chanel, but it seems like that he's just playing this really well with the bear advantage. First of all, Mike, told him which means that he must have had some sort of connection with him which is good seems like he's kind of well integrated with the, with the group and the fact that he would tell him that is just a testament and plus he was able to come up with a good plan to just say just convince mike just don't say anything and he's now kind of scheming behind his back with chanel just more solidifying that um, relationship and seems like that Chanel really likes Daniel um, with, as her ally, that they play well with each other. And I just think he's in a solid spot, especially because we saw that his shoulder, that was kind of looking rough. But I think he's bounced back from it. Yeah, 
I don't hate that choice. I might have Daniel in my top three as well. Uh, Drew, uh, who do you have in your top three? I actually had Daniel as well uh, oh, yeah. as my number as my number three. Yeah, I think for everything that Jake has said, I mean, he's in a very good position at the po- at this moment, and we haven't seen him. I don't think we've seen him like a lot during the first two episodes. Like, yeah, he got his shoulder pulled out, but I, I feel like we were seeing a lot more highlights of a lot of other players to the point where. I don't know if we've seen like too much of one-on-one with him and Mike yet. Mike is that's his second person. He's telling about his idol. So Daniel has a good amount of position in this game. He's also sat out of the challenge. I just feel like there's no way he would have been in any danger or could be in any danger. I think he's playing a pretty solid social game and he's playing it from behind the scenes in my opinion. Okay. So I'm going to mix it slightly up. Um, no, or do I do Daniel? Because Daniel, Daniel's my second pick. I'll talk. I'll talk when I do my second pick. So a little bit of a sneak peek. He'll be number two for me this week um, for much of the same reasons that you guys uh, brought up as well. But looking at the person that I thought uh, played the third best game this week, I am going to start off with one of the two in the duos, and it's going to be Omar. For me, Omar is playing a very solid game at the moment. Uh, I like the fact that he is extremely open with his tribe and that he feels comfortable enough to let them know this is who I am as a person authentically because that creates an additional trust with his tribe where they know that he is going to be upfront and honest uh, about things. Like, for instance, I'm not looking for an idol. I'm going to go pray out here. People seem to respond very well to him, being very accepting of of who he is as a person out there. And I think he's in a rock-solid alliance um, with Jonathan and Lydia. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, I think... Omar is going to continue to climb the ranks week in and week out. If Taku can find a way, funny enough, like Jake said, we thought they were going to be the worst tribe. They they have got the least members at this point, but I mean, Jackson was none of, it wasn't their fault that Jackson had to leave as early as he did. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, I'm very high on Omar. I think he's got great social skills and I've got a feeling that this could be the tightest alliance that we see um, in any of the tribes if they do end up merging or swapping or whatever they're going to do. I feel like these guys are not going to break. Uh, Marianne, the jury is still out on her and where she's going to go. But again, we see it season after season, even this season in Australian Survivor. I know you're not watching that at the moment, Drew. The the duo that's doing the best in the game have got very opposing strengths in the game, and they're just running it. JT and Stephen Fishback is another great example of token genes. And this could be another JT and Stephen Fishback type of scenario where you've just got people that complement each other in different ways. Um, that's going to work really well in this game. So powerful duos are very dangerous in this game, and he is a p- one part of that powerful duo. So I've got him as my second, uh, sorry, second, as my third best player for this week. Um, and we're going to go back to you, Jake, for number two. Who's your number two this week? I hate to stay within the ballpark, but I'm going to go with Omar. Um, And pretty much for the same reasons you said, I mean, there's just not a lot that I can add. Um, He's just in a really solid position. And I think that you're right that the duo with him and Jonathan could be the ride or die duo that we see this season. Oh, you're muted. Uh, sorry, uh, Drew, how do you feel on your number two pick? Are you um, as high on Omar or are you even higher on him? Who do you have at number two? I actually have Omar as number two as well. Um, I just felt like he he is mitigating his risk level so much, yet he is such a dangerous player, but he is in such a good position. However, I think he would be in a better position once 
they make it past the merge. And I think he would, because he's so open and honest with everybody, I feel like that will gain him a lot more trust with other members outside of his own tribe. I think right now in this tribe, he is playing second fiddle to Jonathan, which I think he's fine with at this point. But when it comes down to who's going to be the bigger meat shield, it's going to be Jonathan if and when they make it to merge. I mean, I think Omar will be able to shine at that point, kind of like being able to like flap his own wings and be able to go off and do whatever he needs to do while also keeping Jonathan there. But with Jonathan being such a big strapping man, I think that that's going to be a huge beacon to everybody going like, we got to take out that dude before it's too late. And Omar could maybe like hide within the shadows of Jonathan while collecting the numbers, but still in this tribe, I think Omar uh, is number two and playing a really solid game at this point. Now, for the sake of being very boring and predictable, um, I'm going to choose your third place um, person, Daniel, as my number two for this week. And I was very impressed by um, Daniel. Like I said earlier, he had the um, whereabouts to take the same information that we saw other players get last season, but actually use it in a way where it benefits him and making Mike hold off from activating that idol, which means that Mike will have a no vote for a bit longer in the game. He quite rightfully said he might be the most powerful person at the moment in that tribe because he's got all of the information without losing a vote. And he does look like he is a part of a very solid alliance with Chanel. Chanel looks like someone that's not going to turn her back on him. They look very strong there. So I feel like they could be the odd duo that Omar and Jonathan is within their tribe. And we just haven't seen enough screen time. But what I'm really positive about is that even though this episode did not revolve around that tribe going to tribal council, we still saw his point of view, his strategy, his thinking, and also Chanel's point of view earlier in the episode, talking about being a provider, having to adapt, being a city girl, having to be adaptable, getting out there um, and playing a different game from what she thought she would need to play. So I feel like both of them got strong edits this episode. Um, if I could put Chanel somewhere in the top four, I probably would squeeze her in there somewhere as well because I feel like that's the other two people that we need to look out for this season so far. That blue tribe just seems all over the place. They, I don't know if they're going to be able to stay together and if they're completely going to crumble when they're going to emerge or like a swap. But these two tribes to me seems like the two tribes, the green and the orange tribe. They're the two tribes that I think have got the power players at this stage. And um, I'm maybe a little bit higher on Daniel than what you guys were because I saw him sort of drive a lot of the strategy um, in that tribe where Omara kind of felt like he was happy to sit back, which is not a bad strategy, like Drew said in regards to letting Jonathan take the hits immediately. But if we're only judging it on this week, I think for me, Daniel has just pipped Omar in the top three. So we're going to go back to you, Jake, for your number one pick of this week. And I feel like it might be a very predictable one, but uh, let us know who are you the highest <laughs> yeah. on and how shocked are you that you're the highest on this person um, in episode two? Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any surprises here. It's Jonathan. Um, he is just, he's just in an incredible spot right now. I just think that, He's just holding all the power. And I, like I mentioned earlier, I, I truly think that he made the final say, he had the final say on Mariah going home and keeping Marianne because he truly, he liked Marianne better and, and trusted her more and wanted her to be in his alliance. And I just, as I mentioned earlier, I just think there's, there's a 0% chance that he's going home anytime soon. And he's just an incredible spot with Lindsay and Omer right at his side. I think they both think of him as their number one. And that's just a great spot to be in. 
So I just there's just not a lot to say. He locked out. His, yeah, he locked out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he ended up on a tribe with Drea? Like I reckon that would have been. I don't think they would get along too well. Yeah. Yeah. But um, there's really just not a lot to say that he's doing wrong at the moment. Yeah, Drew. Um, over to you for number one. And are you gonna go off the the you know the most commonly traveled road, or are you gonna stick with um, our train of thought here? So I will say that my number one pick is Jonathan for everything that Jake has said. I do want to throw this out there, though. And we talked about um, some really good people or really good spot spotted people on the green and orange team. Uh, but I want to throw something over to the blue team. And I think somebody who is in a really good position that's kind of getting overlooked because we haven't seen too much of them in this past week's episode is Romeo. I think mm. that Romeo is in a very, very good spot. He was able to connect with the younger group on his tribe he was able to connect with the older folks he was able he's not in on anybody's radar i mean rock Roy was getting like death stares from some of his tribe uh zach went out tori was on the chopping block swati and drea are kind of like are are having their uh, people's eyes on them as well i think romeo's in a very very good spot and i feel like he will be able to keep his threat level down a lot so i just wanted to throw somebody else before we're always just talking about Jonathan here that I think Romeo yeah. is, is being very underrated and kind of getting like, I don't know the Erica edit this season where he's kind of like very low down and hopefully we can see him if he is going to go make, make it far that we see him a lot more in the future edits. But I just think he's in a very, very good spot. And I think he, his social game is going to be huge uh, yeah. if he makes it to merge and stuff. Yeah, Chris agrees with you. He says Romeo is very underrated. And um, I think for those that are listening or watching this podcast, we just want to make it clear that this is who we thought played the best game this week. It's not who we think necessarily is going to win the game. Like, I still yeah, don't yeah. see Jonathan winning the game. If he does, hats off to him. But, I mean, the guy is a physical specimen, and at some point someone is going to want to take him out. Like, he's just too hard to <laughs> ignore, you know? So um, I feel like, yeah, like, let's, let's finish the train of thought in regards to why he's my number one. Everything that Jake said, Plus the mm -hmm. added, very, very super weapon that he has in his arsenal is self-awareness. And yeah, I didn't think he had self-awareness coming into this game. But now that I've seen him play and being very mindful of how other people perceive him and not trying to be this alpha dominant guy like when he helped Omar with doing the coconut thing, it's the small little social skills like that. And his ability to connect with people like Marianne, who probably, again, he would never connect with in real life, or you wouldn't think that they would run in the same circles, I think is what makes him a very dangerous player. Because we could very easily say he's a strategic threat, which he is, because he ran the, the episode in regards to who got cut. We could very easily say he's a physical specimen based off everything that he's done in the physical challenges so far and his bold and physique. But the one thing that gets overlooked a lot of the time is the social skills and the small subtlety, the soft skills when it comes to emotional intelligence. And he's got that. So he really is a triple threat. And if he can get deep into this game, Jonathan is a lock to come back and play this game again, like at some point. Like I just think oh, he's going to yeah. be a very big character where people were very low on him pre-season and now they're probably turning around on him a little bit. But I also agree with you on Romeo. I'm very high on Romeo as well. I think he's very aware he's got a good social game i'm just really fearful for romeo that everybody could crumble around him so he's gonna have to find a spot mm -hmm. roxroy is a little bit of a um, volatile character i don't know that could just <laughs> get worse the the more and more hungry he gets you know out there um drea has got i think no loyalty i think she would cut him and roxroy like she tried to do here in a hot minute 
if she can. And then Swati and Tori. I mean, Tori seems like a little bit of a super fan that is out there trying everything to play the game, but she's not really fitting in. And she's trying very hard. Apparently, there was a lot of talk online about Zach saying he really struggled to connect with Tori out there in the beginning because Tori was too much of a geek out there. Like she was like talking about <laughs> things like, um, you know, taking an arrow to the knee, which is like uh, uh, Elder Scrolls online game type of thing when something happened. And she was like throwing all these little um, like Spock signs for Star Trek <laughs> and all these kind of things. And, and he's like, she's trying too hard. And I feel like that's coming across. Like Tori is trying so hard to connect with people and it's coming across as inauthentic. And that's why I don't know where she's going to go long-term, but I feel like that's the hot mess tribe. I hope Romeo survives because he's a high caliber <laughs> player in the train wreck tribe at this point. This is the way I see him, you know? So any final thoughts before we start looking at finishing this podcast? Um, Chris, Chris, I hate to break it to you. I think those were, those were jokes, those tweets by Zach. Oh, it was the jokes. I didn't know. I yeah. Didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I think he was, he was messing with Tori because she was like, oh, uh, Swati and Zach, they're, they're clearly nerds. So let me talk about Harry Potter. And, you know, uh, like okay. that, that, will, that will let me like bond with them. And so he's like trying to like, you know, make it seem like the off camera. She like went way overboard and was like saying all these other things. I don't think she actually said those things. Um, okay. I was just going to say, because uh, I did not expect her to, like, yeah. if she was that level of. She must have done her research on some some nerdy things then. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I don't even know half of the stuff. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, what, what is all this stuff? I need to look it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> says, I can see Jonathan going out in an eight to seven if he wasn't so physically intimidating. It was going at challenges like Brett Clouser. He could slide by, but that's true. It's very true. But he's also got a strong alliance around him. So I feel like in that alliance, if they get to the merge, people are going to want to take him out as soon as they can uh chris that is a joke um yeah i know i know i should have done my research before i came on the podcast and i was so proud on this take it is the nullified take for a reason sometimes the take is i just nullified your take guys it's been great talking um survivor 42 with you as always for those that are still in the live stream please consider if you got to this point you're a diehard listener to this podcast uh, even if you're listening to it i know the, the audio platform is growing quite a bit consider jumping on the youtube channel giving us a subscribe giving us a like put a comment below what did you agree with what did you disagree with who's your top three players uh we'd like to know all of these things when we hit 500 subs and we're on our way there we're going to get there i believe pretty soon we're going to make uh australian survivor merge buff available as a giveaway they've only made a hundred of these ever so they're quite rare um you can't easily buy them and when they're out there it's like a thousand dollars so you know even if you're not that fond of australian survivor you could make some money off it you know or have a very rare collector's item um, and i will be doing it live on stream so i can't game it i can't give it uh, to people sadly that have been with me from day one uh just because i like them i'll make it sure it's fair for everybody that's joined even late and subscribing but that is going to become available at 500 when we hit a thousand subs i will be giving away to one person five merch buffs for season one to five of survivor cbs which is quite rare and difficult to find as well so uh, some giveaways up for grabs here uh, join myself and Drew and Chantal tomorrow as we talk about the challenge CBS a little bit more so in regards to now that we know who the actual cast and the alter alternates are. There's been some changes to the info we had last week. So we'll be uh, here to talk at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time about the challenge CBS. And also, if you're available at 6 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time. I'll also have Aruna Natalia from The Amazing Race 33, uh, and I'll be doing an interview with them. I'm really looking forward to them. They're massive super fans, and I'm sure they watch Survivor and a lot of the other CBS shows as well. So really looking forward to having a chat with them. Drew, what do you have going on over on the Angel Cake Entertainment channel? Uh, over at Angel Cake Entertainment, I'll be doing a podcast episode uh, talking about the updates on the uh, Challenge CBS, as well as talking about the workout videos that are becoming the YouTube uh, via MTV Challenge uh, YouTube channel. Also, I have a video coming out on Friday, this coming Friday, and then I have a big video coming out or hopefully coming out uh, next Monday. So uh, look out for that. But that's pretty much all I have going on right now. Yeah. There's a lot of challenge content dropping at the moment. Um, so look forward to seeing that. And uh, if any of you guys, if uh, Chantel's still here, I'll make sure to put her link also in the description. You guys can go follow Reality Realness. She'll have her own take on Survivor 42 over there. I believe it's already up on the channel. Uh, episode 2, if you guys want some more Survivor content, um, it's also in my recommended channels on this YouTube channel page as well. Jake, Drew, it's been great talking to you. Catch you guys next time. As always, guys, thanks and see you next time. Bye.